Well, I think most of us know that it's really hard to follow great successes. When I was uh, taking preaching classes in graduate school and undergraduate school, uh, all of us wanted to follow the worst guy in the class. <laughs> we didn't want to follow the best guy because it made you look bad, right? Um, so everybody wanted to follow me. All right, no. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's the same when it comes to athletes. Can you imagine being Michael Jordan's sons? I mean, it's impossible to live up to that, all right? So much that would be expected of you. Um, last week, Tiger Woods' son, Charlie, who's 11, played with his dad in the PNG, PNC championship. And at 11, if you've seen the kid play, he's better than most anybody you've ever played with in your life. He would beat probably all of us here today. Um, but he will forever be compared to his father, who has won 15 major golf championships, 82 PGA Tour events. Now, apply the same kind of comparisons to succeeding a prophet. Not just any prophet, but the premier prophet, Elijah. Elijah served Israel about 900 years before the coming of Christ. His boldness, his ability to stare down opponents was highlighted on Mount Carmel as he was there with the prophets of Baal, called down fire from heaven and took out the offerings. I mean, he's just in the hall of fame of prophets. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration 900 years after he died, right, with Jesus, an amazing thing. Jesus referred to Elijah. There can be no doubt of Elijah standing with the Jewish people. Now, can you imagine following Elijah as a prophet, right? That was the job of Elisha, an apprentice of Elijah. Elijah has been taken in to heaven alive. That's a very unusual thing. Only two people in the history of mankind have gone to heaven alive outside of Jesus. Elijah was one of them. And when this happened to Elijah, listen to what Elisha asks. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing yet. If you see me as I have been taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses and fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, that's a very interesting request from Elisha, a double portion. And this is what we see recorded in First and Second Kings, that Elisha performed exactly twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did at least what is recorded in those two books. 
the books of First and Second Kings, continues with this narrative of the division between Judah and Israel, of God's people, along with the trials that it talks about between uh, God's people and the enemies of God with the surrounding nations. It displays, Second Kings does, the highs and low points of Israel and Judah. It's more than just recounting of historical facts and names. It's actually describing a people who are without direction, leaders, both political and religious leaders, who failed to lead. And God, who was forced to discipline his rebellious people. And the people of both kingdoms suffered because of the opposition of Syria. And then a famine that had come upon them that was so bad that they were resorting to cannibalism. They were eating animals that were declared unclean like donkey heads. And then any little thing like a donkey head was fetching just these outrageous prices. And God actually warned them that if they continued in their idol worship, this was back in Leviticus, that cannibalism would take place. So true to God's word. The people continued to disobey God. And you know what happened? The king blamed Elisha for the terrible conditions. So they were rejecting God's messengers, not listening to God's messengers. And the people were in great travail, great turmoil. There's so much detail that I could give regarding this book, the context, and there's no way that I can go into it and have time to do what we want to do today because I want you to participate with me today in this sermon, which means all those on the front row will have to speak today. No, I'm teasing, all right. The travail of what these people had to go through, you know what it reminds me of? Okay. It reminds me of America. Now, I'm not claiming that the United States is like Israel and being God's people or featured in the prophetic scheme like Israel is. I'm not saying that. But I, if you look at our society today, societal discord, pandemic, the politics that go along with these things, racial strife, and then the corresponding theories and ideologies that create confusion, all right? So you have, and I'm not speaking to the veracity um, of, the, of the theories, okay? I'm just saying they exist. And people are in great uh, fear, right? There's division in our country. We saw that with the election. Severe division. Not too unlike, again, the divided kingdom in Israel. And yet, what God did in the midst of that was provide three miracles. Those weren't the only miracles, but three miracles that I want us to look at, okay? And I think it's great encouragement for us today. Even in the midst of this mess, in this division, God is at work. 
and we do not need to fear. I'm not denying the pandemic. I'm not denying the political turmoil. I'm not denying the forces working against us, whether they're domestic or foreign. But what we cannot deny is the presence of Almighty God in our lives. And we do not have to fear in the midst of that. Great encouragement and instruction. Again, I cannot go into great detail about each miracle. I'm just going to give you broad strokes, and then we're going to call from that what we need to dive into and talk about as a church. So I just want you to prepare your heart. What may God be saying to me? How can I encourage others today, all right? Here's the first miracle. First of all, there was like a training school that Elisha had for prophets. It was like a seminary for guys who wanted to become prophets. Kind of cool. You know, you could get your MBA and prophet. And the prophets were the connection of God to the people. And this played a key role in the success of Israel but they were short on supplies for a new building that they wanted to build for their cause. Well, in the course of cutting down some trees, one guy had an ax, and he throws the ax and loses the ax head in a river. He's very concerned because it's not his ax. He had, he had borrowed it, and so he expresses that concern, and we see what happens here in 2 Kings 6, verses 4 through 7. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, speaking of Elisha, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he, took, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Now, if you don't have any experience with this, usually an iron axe head does not float, right? That's a miracle. Floated to the top of the water. God lightened their load. He makes lost things found. He makes miracles when we least expect it. How has God lightened your load this year? That's the question I want you to ponder. How has God lightened your load in this incredible 2020? The second miracle was that groups were periodically at war with Israel. On more than one occasion, a group would come to the border of Israel, getting ready to attack Israel. And at that specific spot, God would tell Elisha where the enemy was. Again, God and Elisha, direct contact, okay? And then we read about this. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus, he used to warn him so that he saved himself uh, there more than once or twice. So several times this had taken place. God told Elisha, God told the king, people are about to attack at this point. No, now today it's at this point. Uh, now today it's at this point. 
all right? This was taking place. And so they were listening to the voice of God through Elisha. God was counseling them, and God would save them. Hmm. Ponder this for a second. We cannot act like we know it all or have all the information that's needed or that our opinion is superior to that of the word of God. The word of God is always to reign supreme in our life. There's a friend of mine who's in politics and he goes and he meets with other state leaders around the country. And when he does that, he goes to different churches. He's a Christian. And he tells me that when, about some of the experiences of going to churches. One of the churches that he visited was a well-known church. If I told you the name, you would know it, but I'm not going to tell you. And when he went, he realized that they had what's called VIP seating. So that only the rich or important people could sit up front in this VIP seating. Now, you may think, you know, that might be a good idea. No, no. Did you know that there's actually a passage in the book of James that addresses that very thing, having VIP seating, saying, don't do that. Don't show preference to other people that are rich or famous. That's not a good thing to do in the body of Christ. And yet, here's a church, well-known, evangelical, supposedly Bible-believing church that says their opinion is here, God's word is here, we're going to listen to our opinion. Okay? That is being arrogant and foolish. Now, it's easy to point to a target like that, but let's talk about moi, ourselves. Are there areas in which God has spoken? His counsel has been given to us, and we're saying, you know what? That's eh, all right. I'm going to follow this way instead. Okay? We cannot ignore the counsel of the Word of God. We cannot ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit that is leading us one way or the other. Okay, just like the people then. What is God communicating to us today? How can we heed His Word in our lives, specifically today? What is His counsel? Okay? Here's the third miracle. This miracle had to do with the king that was upset with Elisha, always the king of Syria, uh, the, the enemy forces, always tipping off Elisha about where these stealth attacks would take place. We got to put a stop to this. We got to put a stop to this supernatural activity. <laughs> Imagine somebody thinking they're going to put a stop to God's supernatural activity. So, the best way to do that is to overtake Elisha. Find him, take care of Elisha. One of Elisha's servants is so upset about this because he sees an army surrounding the city where Elisha is at, knowing that pending doom is upon them, and what are we going to do? And Elisha tells him, do not be afraid. You may have had somebody tell you, 
pandemic. Do not be afraid. You may have had somebody tell you, you see where the country is going? And then they say, do not be afraid. And you're thinking, don't you know what's going on? Do not be afraid. Elisha saying this. Is this denial? Is this putting your head in the sand? No. It's realization of something in the supernatural world taking place that not everybody gets, not everybody sees. And boy, does God open this servant's eyes. 2 Kings 6, 15 through 19. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. A fiery, angelic fleet coming from the heavenlies in the unseen world, ready to do God's bidding. What have I got to fear? I don't need to see, although it wouldn't be cool, to see the unseen world and the fiery fleet. I know that God is for us and who can be against us. I know that an almighty God is my father and I am in his hands. And nothing will befall me, it is not in his will, and I do not have to fear. I don't fear dying at Terra's feet. That could happen. I don't fear persecution, because I know it's all under the sovereignty of God. He's working in the unseen world. I don't fear getting my head beheaded. I don't want it to happen. I'm not desiring it, but I don't fear it, because whether I die and whether I live, I know that God is in control. I know where I'm going, and there's nothing that can truly be taken from me that's not already his, including my very life. And if God wants to rescue me from a situation, if he wants to rescue our country from a situation, I know that he can do that. And I make no bones about asking him to do that. No political or foreign force can resist Almighty God. He's our defense. And he provided the servant and Elisha and the people a divine perspective. And to depart, from, to turn your back upon God is the ultimate in arrogance and folly. You can discount the story all you want, 
But let me tell you something. Your puny little mind cannot stand up against the infinite mind and power of God. And all of our minds are puny. I don't mean that as a cut down to you, but a cut down to all of human race compared to the infinite knowledge and power of God who is on our side as his children. What have we got to fear? Here's the question then. How can we abide, turn back to God's protective guidance and care? What does that look like now? I know it's not fear. It doesn't mean I don't recognize the reality that's upon me, okay? I'm not going to step in front of a running train because I don't fear it. I'm going to protect myself all that I could. But I know also I don't have to fear. These three miracles are all ways in which God has unmistakably worked. These three ways are ways that God increases faith. They give insight. We realize that God can do anything he wants to convey whatever he wants in any time he wants. So here's the question I have before us this morning. How can we, as the people of God, see God lightening our load? How can we, as the people of God, see God giving us guidance, giving me guidance? How can we, as the people of God, recognize God's sovereign, divine protection and care? What does that mean for me today? These are the questions that I want to guide us this morning. So what I'd like to do is open it up for the rest of you to share how you might have seen God work in these three ways. Let me just share one story to kind of get us going, all right? This Christmas morning, um, actually it was probably more like in the afternoon, um, I got a text from someone that used to go here that now lives in Florida. And in the house that they used to live in here, her husband worked uh, for one of the hospitals, and they lived not far from Cox South. Um, and they said that in the house that they used to live in, they were actually friends with the family that was now living in their former house um, that had a fire just this past Christmas morning. Everything was taken in the fire. Uh, apparently, their dogs uh, woke up, barked a lot. The dad got up, saw what was going on, got his two small children and his wife out of the house. Everything is gone. Uh, I went inside the house yesterday. You can hardly step in. No ceiling. It's completely burned, and the inside is just completely charred, smoked. They lost their dogs. They're so upset about that but they just got out with their lives. No clothes, nothing other than the clothes off their back. That's it, all right? So as a result, I just put a, something up on our Facebook page, and you guys responded. Uh, many people responded with money, with, um, with uh, clothes, and I made, was it three or four uh, loads in my SUV of stuff that had been brought to our house to take to them. And just the last load was last evening. 
somebody here had gone to Walmart, spent several hundred dollars with sizes for each kid, new clothes for the mom, the dad, the kids, and delivered it. I mean, it was just amazing. Um, in addition, our benevolence team gave them $2,000 uh, to help them. And I'd never met these people in our life, but they're sweet, adorable folks. And then right next door to them is a pastor. Uh, I didn't know him until this week, and we got to know him. We knew some of the same people. He's bivocational, great guy, he and his wife. They're ministering to him. And you know what God is doing? God is lightening this dear couple's load. They need the Lord. And they are seeing the people of God helping out in, in very tangible ways. So continue to pray for the family. And uh, they've got a long road ahead. Uh, we even had a, somebody in our church that had a, a uh, uh, Airbnb and said, hey, they can live in our Airbnb for a period of time for free just to get on their feet. So all kinds of ways in which God is... Um, God is helping. So that was one way of lightening the load this year in a tragic situation. Amen. That's right. That's right. And I wanted to, I wanted to thank you because the ability for our benevolence team to give them $2,000 was because you have been so faithful in giving this year. I, I, you know, to, that's one of the things about faithful giving, what it does, is that when a need comes up like this, we are ready to give. And so thank you for that. God made it possible because of your generosity.